0: Hello and welcome to the Caged In Podcast. I'm your host Petra Sivers and this week I will be talking about Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. We are back in that fiery flamed saddle to ride once again and I had the absolute pleasure of being joined by Bob Turnbull of Tonight with Bob and Joe. You may remember those guys. They have both been on the podcast and they have been talked about many a time and I am a big fan of their podcast which you can find wherever you get podcasts and especially at the moment you can find them on YouTube with their new series the infinite pub crawl in which they try and drink in every pub in Brighton town uh they've released two episodes so far and they are fantastic i would very much implore you to listen to those guys and listen to that but before we get into the conversation that i had with bob It's uh, time to step over and have a look what my old friend, the Anagram Hunter, has to say about this film. And does he have some mystic magical powers to tell us something about Ghost Rider and what it will be? So, the Anagram we have this week for Ghost Rider is oh we've got two we've got two little little anagrams uh, which are spirit of vengeance equals petros and cage in five i'm not sure what that is that is supposed to imply it's quite it's quite cryptic so me and cage in five so um i guess Petros and Cage in five could, could very much, be that in five minutes. Cage will call me. Well, that would be great. Or, or, I don't know. I don't. Oh, that's baffled me. That one should should have really read this before. But I like to I like to come in fresh. And the second one, I I, I really like really like the second one. This this incorporates the whole title. So this incorporates Ghost Rider spirit of vengeance and the anagram that he's come up with is petros open brackets of caged in close brackets is never right many of you may believe that and if you do believe that i am never right please get in touch with the podcast on all the channels you can so that's facebook twitter and instagram at caged in pod or you can always email me which is caged in pod at g mail dot com and you can find the anagram hunter on twitter, which is thomas underscore w underscore hunter for all of your anagram needs uh, i'm sure if uh, i i don't want to speak for him, but if you throw him uh, some titles for films, he will give you some anagrams but but don't don't be don't don't all be rushing to do that because he may be swamped and yeah we, we don't we don't want that for him just 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 look look at the books he's released and l- look at the kind of output he has on his twitter he he will release anagrams now and then and they're always fun so yeah now let's let's listen to me and bob talk about ghost rider spirits of vengeance hello just a quick one before we get started with this episode i feel it's only right to say I don't know how to say this and I don't know what to say, but I know there's one thing that certainly needs to be said and that is that Black Lives Matter and they have always mattered and they will always matter. So please take your time to do what you can, whether that's sign petitions, donate or join marches and show solidarity to those people who are oppressed. And in small ways, I hope that we can make changes. I very much think this has gone on for way too long and take this time please to look at your own privilege and educate yourself very much in the ways of the black experience and you can do that in many ways through films podcasts um yeah talks just just educate yourselves please and um i will be putting in the description to this episode a document which is a very handy document in ways that you can help just felt it was a right thing to say and we we can do something and it would it would have been it would have been crass and wrong not to have said something about what is going on but please do what you can and very much enjoy Caged in. Nick Cage is back in the saddle as Johnny Blaze, the stunt rider who made a pact with Lucifer and has become his errand boy as the ghost rider, the flaming, scold Marvel character. However, apart from his casting, everything in this film has changed. We no longer see Eva Mendes. The devil this time is played by Kieran Hines and the crank directors Neville Dean and Taylor bring their unique hands-on filmmaking to shape this Marvel property. One thing that hasn't changed is I'm talking about it, and the original Ghost Rider film uh, guest is back with me as well. Frequent caged-in collaborator and co-conspirator, Bob Turnbull. How are you, Bob?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm, I'm, I'm very well. I'm, I'm, adjusting, I'm adjusting to the new way of life that we have now, that we, we live inside of our houses and in, inside of computer screens for other people. But
1: yeah, yeah, it's par- it's perfect for uh, for nerds like us, eh?
0: Yeah, like I, I, <laughs> I, I, as somebody who's like suffered with depression and like anxiety throughout his life, I've kind of like been waiting for this to, to happen almost, no, 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 not, 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 not in like a down away, just in the fact that, like, when when the it's government conscripted to stay inside of your <laughs> home, it's like, ah, I've had depressive episodes where I'm like, ah. I don't want to leave the house for a month. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, give me six weeks, easy. Come on. Um, so let's get. I must. Say, I, must I must say that I'm. I'm really
1: glad that you invited me back. Um, for the for the second film. For a while, I thought maybe you would just find a better guest and I'd be out of the picture. So I, I do feel quite privileged.
0: No, no, no. There's a there, There's a few. There's a few old favourites. I, I kind of got into a bit of trouble, and I feel like I should publicly apologise. Almost, um, uh, I was supposed to have like just because the there was a trailing massive hiatus on this podcast, and kind of I had cast it out of my mind. Like I was at the point of like, no, caged in is never coming back. To me, to me, it was dead. Like, but little did I know there were some smoking embers that were going to like reignite. Just like the, just like how. there's a massive gap between Ghost Rider and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Like, I I came back flaming skull, ready to do it. (laughs) And um, I had agreed all those years back to have um, a fellow podcaster, Betamax Video Club. I'll give give him a shout out. It's the least I could do. I had said to him back then that I um, would have him on to talk about Kick-Ass. And then like, Oh, yeah. Got another guest, like when I came back, not even like just very complacently, not even thinking about it. And uh, I kind of got like a, a, a reply to a tweet saying, like, I, I guess I'm not doing kick ass then. And I was like, oh, I've, I've, like, oh that's heartbreaking. I felt terrible. I felt terrible since, like, like oh, shit. Like, <laughs>
1: Oh no man. I like the, the the all the all the fame has gone to your head.
0: Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Well, like I don't know. Like uh I I've, I've got the numbers. I I might be getting people of note on this podcast, but the numbers sh- like do not do not correlate. Like it's not it's not like all <laughs> of a sudden uh, I'm going to be selling out Wembley anytime soon with uh, caged in live with with it being locked down and to my my but yeah, my, my star isn't that bright.
1: I think it could happen, man, before you know it. You know? That's it. And I believe, I believe. So, I mean, I don't, I don't want to leave the interview. You leave the interview. What's going on? What's happening?
0: Well, like, I, I, I don't think I've ever asked you this question before. It's a question I've been asking a lot recently to my guests is, are you a Nicolas Cage fan before we dissect this film? Uh, well, would you consider yourself? I think you?
1: without, without, without question... I'm a Nicolas Cage fan. I, th- I like to think that as soon as I saw him, whenever it was, I don't know when my what my first Cage experience was. Actually, That's that maybe you were going to ask that question, but I don't know. Um, but as soon as I saw him, I always loved him, and I'd like to say, um, you know, however it sounds, that I I liked him before it was cool to like him. I'm just going to say. It.
0: Well, no, I think it's like quite cool now to dislike him. Like I see, like mm. I see a lot of people like. It's shitting on him and just kind of like it, yeah he's kind of become this meme and people kind of troll him and stuff like that and it's just like what they don't quite understand is he he is a like a craftsman like who knows what he's doing like uh, he's in on it he's in on it yeah yeah and at the end of the day like I've used this analogy a lot and it's, uh, I believe I heard oh. it on an interview with uh, Stephen Graham who said that like at the end of the day i may do these films with scorsese i may do like films with whoever but at the end of the day like i see my role as that of like a painter decorator that i need to like it's a job at the end of the day and if i need to yeah. provide food for my family it could be yeah. it could be this film or that film i'm not going to yeah i'm not going to
1: i've heard that from i've heard that from from fine artists before, as I've heard, heard, painters say that. I've just got to put the bread on the table, and I always think I'm always a little bit dubious about that. And I'm like, yeah, you say that, but there's more to it than uh, than, than you're, getting, you're letting on. But I, I think I think the cage is that even in his in his worst roles and his worst films, he always brings something to the table um, that nobody else could have. And he, in fact, he many oftentimes he saves shit films just by his presence.
0: Well yeah, yeah, that 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 is definitely true. And he's kind of got like this unique thing that like he can slot into these kind of like want for a better word, straight to D V D movies. Yeah. But then has these moments of brilliance in like he like he'll take the role of a dice and it's there's a very famous funny or die clip that is uh Nicolas Cage's agent and it's kind of like throughout the clip the um the premises for film get more ludicrous and more ludicrous and more ludicrous <laughs> well, we hear yeah. Nicolas Cage's voice on the other end of the phone kind of saying like well, I'll take it and it's kind of like that that I think that is <laughs> yeah. at the height of like the memedom of what Nicholas Cage has become sure but like I'm very much a firm advocate that he is a great actor and given and I, Again, something that has been brought up a lot in a conversation we've had recently is, given the right script and the right director, will well, he's a fucking yeah. If someone can harness kind of that raw energy, it like, like,
1: well, given the right script, Cage is a fucking Oscar nominee. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the reality. You know, well, Oscar winner. Um, Oscar could have been. What well, did, did he win the Oscar?
0: He won the Oscar for um, Leaving oh, Las fuck. Vegas. Yeah,
1: yeah. I didn't know that he actually won it. I thought he was a nominee for some reason. That's brilliant. I feel like I'm celebrating right now. Yeah, yeah. I, wow.
0: Fuck. I think two-time nominee, one-time winner. He may have been nominated. Wait, so for- he got a fucking
1: he got like an Oscar before DiCaprio got an Oscar.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. But in the game longer.
1: Um, yes, true. True.
0: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Oh, like
1: To be fair, if I had to... I know this is a tough question. I don't know why I'm even saying it. but If I had to erase Leonardo DiCaprio's entire film history, or Cage's film history, I'd erase DiCaprio's easily, wow. without doubt.
0: Wow, that's... Yeah, yeah, but that's... <laughs> they're almost not as comparable. Cage is unlike any other actor because just the sheer volume of output that he has provided to to watchers and people out there is... Yeah, he's, he's burgeoning on... A hundred films, like plus, at the moment. And that's it, incredible. Like from my conversation recently with uh, Walter Hickey, like that's why he picked mm. him as someone to to study in kind of a data. Like,
1: yeah, absolutely. Way
0: is that? It's somebody who has like this. Just what a pool of data to pull from a hundred films. It's and mm. and such a, like a varying. Like, range of films and range of quality, like, depending on your tastes. But, like, one of the points he made, which brings me nicely to um, Ghost Rider and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, is that Cage has very much not done like long standing franchises. He has managed to do a, a variety of stuff. This is like the only one of two sequels. He has ever done,
1: and like, argue- well, so is this a national treasure?
0: This a national treasure, yeah. Only sequels he's ever done, and arguably, you could not call Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance even a sequel.
1: Oh, I know why you're saying that. I know why you're saying that.
0: Just, just very much like, you could watch this film without ever seeing Ghost Rider, and still enjoy it, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could. I, I think it would be weird, though. But, um, uh, I mean, I, how, how soon should, should I jump into this? I feel, I feel like... Jump away. Can we just,
0: yeah, 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 jump away.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, I mean, like, uh, I don't know whether people have seen it or not. The film uses animation sequences throughout, well, maybe like twice, three times, I don't know, in the whole movie, to try to give the backstory, the origin uh, story of Ghost Ride, which you could say, well, that's a clever idea because we kind of, I think everyone is tired of origin stories. We don't need to see it again. But the animation provides, we get Nicolas Cage's voiceover, and the animation provides this kind of brief rundown of what, you know, what's going on. Um, and it's not bad. The animation is not bad. It's, it's In a way, it's, it's pretty good, you know, um, for what it is. Um, but the problem is, that if you have seen the first one, it's slightly jarring because you're you're seeing events that you remember from the original with like Peter Fonda and the circus and the fair and the fucking evil carnival fairground suddenly re- replaced with what looks like a sort of waitrose car park
0: <laughs> well it's it's bizarre in that like this is a film that is like problematic in a way because like from from doing the research and stuff like that Peter Fonda himself read 5 pages of the script and then declined so like I'm, oh
1: fuck like what, what did he what did he love so much about the original that he wasn't finding in this i don't
0: i i don't know like and it's been a long while since i've watched the original but i think it may be my love for let's say first off the bat like it's almost like a near like genius stroke to bring in like neville dean and taylor in that that they at the yes, time
1: i agree i actually literally can't think of um a better sort of duo better director whatever to have for this particular franchise
0: and, and you can very much see like you saying about the use of um animation there is also other visual flares that they bring whether it be like a yeah. kind of family guy-esque cutaway that they use in moments like there's. Um, yeah. A sequence with, what you're saying. a sequence with Idris Elba where he uh, his character So yeah, we should probably like back up in a second about like the kind of brief brief sh- broad strokes of this plot, but there is a moment yeah. Idris Elba's character plays Moreau like a um a kind of noble monk esque like adventure character.
1: He's a French Wino. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> And he's not the only one that's in this film, Um, but we'll get to we'll get to another famous Frenchman a little later on. Uh, (laughs) He 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 like in this kind of beautiful shot, like which I imagine was like filmed on wires, and like from what I know of Neville Dean and Taylor, like they try and do as much stuff in regards to filming. Like a lot of the interviews with Nicolas Cage, he says like a lot of their filming. Like, Mark Neveldine is out on his actual rollerblades with the camera holding onto motorbikes. That's so cool. On wires, like, with the camera jutting away. This moment, you see Idris Elba flying through the sky and then... (laughs) later on we get this moment like to bring this to bring this background to what i was talking about we get this moment of him explaining like by the graces of god i was saved then we just get this kind of like brief shot of him like hanging out of a tree it's like a a great oh that's so it's so weird but it's a great moment of kind of like levity and like like a joke that for me, I wanted more of that, but definitely showed the like, shine yeah. of like, Neville Dean and Taylor's like, kind of yeah. their sensibilities and their kind of kinetic way of filmmaking.
1: They, they also clearly have a great sense of humour as well. And when, they, when they're allowed to do what they want, they, they've got a great sense of humour, you know. And they are, they are also, I mean, really, this is one of the best things I can say about the film, is that the editing is super slick. You know, I d I I never felt bored by the editing. It's always kind of it's super dynamic, just like crank, you know, it's it's and, and crank too. It's it's got that kind of crazy um you really feel kind of um, it's better than, you know, like Ang Lee's Hulk tries to do like comic book panels and it's really dodgy. Um, but it doesn't. It doesn't feel like that. It actually feels. It functions as cinema, but also in a very fast-paced kind of comic booky way. So they really did nail that, and you know that's one thing that the original film could have used.
0: You know. Well, one of the things that this film kind of like benefits from as well is that uh, it's something I didn't know until kind of like like digging around in this film is that all of the times that we see Ghost Rider on screen in the original. It's not Nicolas Cage. Oh, fuck. (laughs) I didn't do that. (laughs) Whereas this film, it is Nick Cage. And, like, to hear his, like, kind of background as to, like, what he was doing on, like, on set to get into this role is, is, is fantastic. I'm, like, I'll, pre- I'll, pl- I'll play a brief clip to just... Okay. To, yeah. To, <laughs> okay, I'm excited. To get you in the mood, like, to, well, not in the mood, but, like, to kind <laughs> of like, show you what I mean. Like, this is him saying what what it was like getting into character. I would paint my face in sort of like an Afro-Caribbean voodoo icon or a New Orleanian voodoo icon, Baron Samedi. i put black <laughs> contacts in my eyes. I would put bits of... Uh, rock that was, that had a frequency to it or allegedly had a frequency to it. I would, I would sew Egyptian artifacts into my costume and I wouldn't talk to anybody.
1: Wow. I know, right? Oh, that that is brilliant. I mean, I mean, what, what what more can you say?
0: But like the fact he went to those like (laughs) levels of, kind of getting into this character, a character that he is very much like lived with for a while. And in another interview, he says like he didn't quite under, like he seemed quite miffed as to why he didn't get to play the, the ghost rider in, in the first film.
1: First one. Yeah. It does make sense. But I guess it's because maybe it was a stunt man that played it. Oh, I don't, I don't. Yeah.
0: Whereas like this film, I, and i I very much think it would be like, Neville Dean and Taylor, in that like, they kind of almost have this stuntman, like way of filmmaking themselves, as I said, like this very hands-on approach to filmmaking, they're they're there On the roller skates Well, they're there, getting their hands in the mud kind of like, fuck it, if something needs to be done, we're gonna do it Yeah,
1: that's fucking brilliant So
0: (laughs) why not let Cage like do what he needs to do and like what better way to kind of, and I I do feel like from hearing that it definitely informs the character of the ghost rider in this film, because it's an interest. It's an interesting way because this kind of, we don't really have a sense of like the time passed since the first one, but we can tell no. that Johnny blaze has been living with this kind of, um, Dichotomy of being the Ghost Rider for some time, very much like how in the MCU they kind of portray um, Bruce Banner and the Hulk. In that, like yeah, he like especially in um I believe it's uh, Avengers Endgame, they kind of like he's been living with the like Hulk inside of him. Well, very much in that film, it's the Hulk outside of him, but it's kind of like found a middle ground where they both live. In this. where the Hulk can wear a little suit, yeah, yeah, he yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. where he's Pro- glasses, Professor yeah. Hulk as opposed to uh, <laughs> yeah. Hulk, as opposed to Bruce or the Hulk. In this, he's very much he's living he's living that life as like I, but, both. Well, like, not, I mean, I
1: would I, I would have actually I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, he's in when we when we first introduced to him, he's in this dark warehouse. In, where is it is it bulgaria or is it bucharest or something some crazy uh, eastern european place
0: Roma- it's filmed in romania yes
1: romania yes. but i would but i would have i would have actually kind of liked a bit more of that stuff i one one thing that sort of uh I, I i i dislike about the film is that it doesn't begin with ghost rider you get this kind of beginning bit and then ghost riders in a warehouse and it immediately is kind of into the story I'd like to have seen some sort of Cage going mental in that dark warehouse because I really love that as a setting.
0: Well, it's this thing, the film kind of, yeah, like you said, it starts off with a kind of like prelude of just kind of setting Mark. the like wheels in motion, really, of what the thrust of this film is.
1: Fucking Giles. Yes. yes. Giles from Buffy, man. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And he's like, two seconds as well.
0: Well, yeah, I put this out on Twitter to see what people's, uh, like, kind of thoughts of this film was. And within minutes, I got a response, which was, Giles is massively un- underutilised within this film. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. He basically gets a gun put in his face, and then as soon as that is, that's it.
0: So, yeah, the, the the film kind of follows the plot of, there is a child called Danny. And at the start, we don't know kind of like what his purpose is. And it's, it's it's quite a formulaic plot. If we like, it's kind of this child has some significance. The good guys want to like make sure he's safe. The bad guys want him for their Yeah,
1: I thought it was a lot. I actually, I thought the plot was a lot like Terminator 2.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And also you've got this le- the leather jacket wearing kind of anti-hero as well.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a very, that's a very interesting. <laughs> At- I just think well, very, very, yeah, very good comparison as well. Cause very much in like in the first ghost rider, he is working for the devil. Uh, yeah. Whereas in this, he is like recruited by like p- priests and monks to kind of work on behalf of, of, righteous to make sure that this child doesn't have his soul brought into damnation and kind of like
1: yeah also as a bit of a spoiler as well like kind of by the, by the end of it he's he's kind of sort of been blessed by the angels he has a kind of angelic power well one of the, so, <laughs> what are the for two seconds
0: one of the great things we get from this film is A backstory on the Ghost Rider and like where the demon itself comes from. So like, we another animated sequence where we see it used like the demon itself used to be an angel that was corrupted, and it used to be the angel of justice, and then was corrupted by Satan and turned into the like the a demon of vengeance, which Mm. is like that would have been like. I feel like this film in a way is kind of like hamstrung by the first in a way that like that kind of like dove headlong into like plot and just kind of like there's a guy with a flaming skull. Let's get him up on screen (laughs) as quick as possible. Whereas this like is like, oh right now we need to fill in the gaps where that Mm -hmm. film didn't
1: it really does want to exist independently? It, ha- it definitely has that vibe, and I can understand why because you know I actually think you know I also think uh, ta- uh, you know the Neville Dean Taylor Vision is their 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 atmosphere that they're trying to set is was way better, way more in, uh, succinct than the last Vision. I mean, he's eating fucking jelly beans in the first film. I, I don't know who who came up with that, but it's that kind of idea. It has that jelly bean vibe you know, the whole, the whole first film. And this film, there's no fucking jelly beans. I think even Nicolas Cage said, oh no, he'll be drinking in this film. There'll be <laughs> you no know, fucking jelly beans. But it does have that vibe, you know, throughout. Like, even, even when it's not doing, you know, even, even when it's not successful, it's still kind of like, it's got a great atmosphere for what they're trying to achieve. I can, I can really feel what they're trying to do.
0: I like, know? My like, analogy for this film is the first film is very much like a Judas Priest. Like kind of glammy metal, like aesthetic to it. Like even the design of the Ghost Rider, he's very much like spikes on his jacket. It's very cut Yeah, oh, that's true. Whereas this film is very much like a bit more grimy and grungy looking, and like the the the, the jacket when he's the Ghost Rider is much more like organic. Yeah, 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 organic looking, and the skull itself looks charred burnt and it, it looks better yeah 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 and even like we never see a full transformation in this film like we never get like yeah. a full transformation but like we get these kind of brilliant shots of, and like one in particular i want to mention is that one where he's like cruising down a um tunnel oh yeah and his I know eyes bulging <laughs> and like kind of going black and like you can tell like fuck the Ghost Rider's coming you know
1: you know, you know you know man you know what I actually thought of when I was watching that scene I thought of Terry Gilliam oh really I thought it's so bizarre it's so crazy it almost felt like it could be a sequence in like Fear and Loathing or something in a sort of more modern you know sort of context it had that kind of crazy almost like slightly uh, almost almost dodgy sort of David Lynch mm. Twin Peaks new CGI kind of vibe to it like Kind of done on a budget, but really mad things happening all at once that just don't make sense. I was like, you know, this is art. This isn't. Uh, this isn't entertainment. That's what I thought when I saw that that particular <laughs> shot.
0: Well, the thing is with this film is that very much, I think. Well, no, know. I know that the original plan for this film that was it was going to be an R rated, R rated film, and like very much in oh. keeping with the, like neville dean taylor aesthetic up until that point and like you're breaking you're breaking my heart just talking about this and it is that thing that like i wish the kind of studio system like uh it's reported that sony at the last moment kind of like bottled out of the whole thing Uh... of doing this kind of more hard r ghost rider we i think like in the whole grand scheme of superhero films we would have like yeah. been so far ahead at this point like yeah like yeah totally like deadpool. i mean if you think about it, we've had
1: deadpool yeah. yeah we've had deadpool and we've had wolverine uh, was it logan the the wolverine one yeah. and uh I'm, i i suppose we've had some more i suppose we had watchmen ages ago but there's but there's only a few of these r rated um, I suppose Kick-Ass actually technically well it was fifteen, is it, it fifteen, but still yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. there's quite some crazy violence. Ooh. Um, you know, there's only been a few of them, but they've all essentially been quite successful, right? So perhaps if Sony had known it back then, I don't really know the timeline, but had they been aware that an R rated superhero film could have could have done well, then maybe, you know, things would be different. I don't know.
0: Well what is bizarre is this film came out in two thousand and eleven. Like I'm not sure on the kind of grand, like, stage of like Hollywood, how much that Kick-Ass would have really informed things, and whether the the wheels had already gone into motion for this film. Like, I'm not sure on the like reco- uh, the filming schedule and all that kind of stuff. But like, if they had taken that punt at that time, Deadpool would be kind of playing catch-up to the. To this, like
1: the fucking Ghost Rider, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. I would love, I would love some blood as well. One of the things that I, um, you know, I, I've always thought of, maybe there's some uh, Russian constructivist principle to this. That like, when you have one one frame in a film, you want to, you, you kind of want to be satisfied by seeing a following frame, and so like in Ghost Rider, when he whip in this in this film, Ghost Rider Spirit Spirit of Vengeance, um, when you see the the whip lash at someone. You kind of want to see them get hurt. But actually what you end up seeing is that they just evaporate immediately. And it gives you no sense of satisfaction whatsoever. Whereas it would have been brilliant in a hyper-violent, R-rated version of this movie to have seen that whip literally like like smash someone's skull in or like they're like alive and burning alive. I don't know. I'm just imagining. I'd love to have seen the enemies suffer more than
0: they do. Well, yeah, especially in the fact that his whole, like, ethos as, like, a character is that he punishes the wicked. Like, even though yeah. he is, like, a harbinger for, for the devil, like... Yeah, yeah. And I think it's very clever, uh, uh, like, speaking about, like, the kind of character of the devil, It's it's clever how they explain away in this film how, like, the devil shapeshifts throughout time and kind of yeah that is cool that is cool he uses human like yeah. conduits to perform his evil acts for our history
1: and... i must say as well i think peter Fonda is a very cool guy is he still alive i'm not sure or is or was a very cool guy <laughs> um but uh but basically uh in this film i've got i actually prefer this devil i think he's better
0: well he's just got Hines. He's- yeah, yeah, Kieran Hines, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's got this like bloody eye, and he's like, he's got one half of his face has all gone a bit zardoz, yeah. He's like drooping down, and he's kind of old, and he's like, like, like this, some, some scary stroke Satan, and he, and I think really, there's a scene where he's talking to the kid, uh, and and he's like trying to tell him like, for, he refers to he refers to Ghost World as being a paper mache flamethrower <laughs> yes which is a bizarre <laughs> yes. insult um and uh, but during that particular scene you really see uh Heinz going to town on that character and I was actually genuinely for a moment I was like kind of a bit creeped out and I was like he's doing a good job whereas Peter Fonda bless his heart he's a very cool guy but he didn't do that with the devil in the first film he just plays it very bas- like he's playing himself
0: well, you know? unfortunately Peter Fonda died last year Oh fuck! But sorry. No, no, it's it, it, it's fine. Like we're not speaking ill of <laughs> the dead. Like it's fine. Like uh, no, I know. I lo- I love it. Yeah, I think it's yeah, yeah.
1: fucking great. I mean, but you
0: know, I just I didn't know. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the things to kind of backtrack on the plot of this film is like, yeah, the thrust is that Ghost Rider has been kind of brought in by these monks and priests to take to kind of take refuge with this child who like even though like we're not supposed to know his true meaning like it's very evident quite early on that he is the Antichrist essentially. Yeah, yeah. He is the son of Satan and like a little... That's a cool plot. A a, a tangent here is uh, the character named uh, Danny Ketch in the Ghost Rider, like comic books, uh-huh. is actually the long-lost brother of Johnny Blaze, and Ooh. takes on the mantle of Ghost Rider after him.
1: That that is uh, that's bizarre when you start to think about it in the context of the film because she's a slight love interest. She's <laughs> I, mean, I say slight. I mean, there's no romance whatsoever. No,
0: well, yeah, it- the mother. It's bizarre. It's bizarre that, like, there are moments we kind of have this father-son relationship between Johnny Blaze and, like, Danny.
1: Yeah, when and, he's drinking the jug of
0: water in the... Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. We, like, we have no, like, kind of romantic entanglement between, like, the mother, Nadja, and Johnny Blaze. And it's kind of like... I do commend the film for doing that. I do commend, Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that hamstrings a lot of like comic book films a lot of the time is there's this kind of insistence that there has to be some kind of romantic a b c d plot that like otherwise They could have
1: they could have at least sorry to interrupt. No. But, um, they they could they could have at least had a scene where like he like takes out a little locket with Eva Mendez's face in it all <laughs> like all like goes oh, i've got a girl waiting for me back in the usa
0: <laughs> well like she's another one like eva mendez turned down the option uh, to uh, reprise her role for this film so i don't I, I don't do you think do you think everyone was a bit freaked out about the
1: fact that they were shooting in eastern europe do you think they thought it was like a tax dodging exercise or something
0: I'm not too sure because it's obviously, yeah, it's, it's filmed in like Romania and Turkey, which, like, the locations in this film oh, are great. Wow. A gr- like, they kind yeah. of like provide this otherworldly character to it. Like, that combined with, I guess, it's some kind of after effects in like, the like saturation and stuff like that that's kind of like done to the imagery.
1: Those fucking, those caves, man, those caves. Like, one of my favourite scenes in the film is actually, it really, it, it did make me long for a, a Nicolas Cage, Idris Elba, buddy cop film. Oh. Is when, when they're literally sitting down in the, it's like a kind of chapel cave with all the wine stacked in the, in the holes. And there's the light shining down from the roof. I was like, this is fucking beautiful.
0: Yeah, there's that. There's like the Colosseum scene. So like oh that that's this, great yeah. This this film like brings to like a point that Johnny Blaze has to bring the child to these group of monks who's headed by no other than Christopher Lambert the the oh yeah the, yeah, the, yeah. the Highlander himself who who again is like he has seemed to be like from looking at like stuff, was quite a tricky customer when it came to this film, and that like, oh really? Well, like in the Neville Dean and Taylor said to him, like, well, we want you to shave your head for this film, and he was like, I'll bald cap it, and they were like, no, well, we want we want a shaved head, we want we we want a shaved <laughs> head, and like <laughs> he put in like three months of sword training for this role, which like. In the grand oh, there's like almost no there's almost no swords in it, but in freema <laughs> he shaved his head he he went through this extensive like makeup routine to like have these kind of like tattoos all the way down his like, they look good yeah, yeah they look great like um from watching the brilliantly titled dVD extra back in black. Uh, <laughs> no. Documentary. He talks about like they were they were easier to apply than they were to remove. So it got to a point where Christopher Lambert just went back to his hotel each night wearing the tattoos because <laughs>
1: not... i don't oh well I, I actually that's weird that you say that I, when i was watching the film i actually had a th- I, I thought that but what i thought instead was they probably filmed all these lambert scenes in one day so they didn't have to do the makeup again <laughs> so, i guess that's you know it's slightly different but but also speaking about that there are a few uh really nice little tactile physical things in the film um that that moment when he i guess there is a is there a brief sword fight between Lambert and the plague man or whatever what is his character name
0: blackout yeah this kind of um black i think one of the shortcomings of this film is just kind of like the the makeup and costume of this character so he start <laughs> he starts off as a guy called Carrigan who's like this kind of arms dealer who also has a deal with the devil and his his thing is he wants him to track down Johnny Blaze. And he's a bit of, he's a
1: bit of a young Kurt Russell kind of character.
0: And when he gets killed in this spectacular fight in a quarry. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> bizarre. He uh he manages to like yeah, like the devil brings him back to life but all twisted and niled. All of a sudden, he possesses the power to decay everything with just but a touch. But, like,
1: yeah.
0: for one, it's (laughs) kind of like... I'm not sure if it's, like, the thing of... I don't know the mythology of Ghost Rider that well. So I wasn't...
1: I don't think that's going to help, really. But what what I would say, though, is that that scene where he changes him, where where the devil lifts him up from the rock, it's quite a cool scene. Um, so they do at least they do that some justice I didn't um, well, actually just before I forget t- talking about practical effects during that fight scene between the between Blackout and Christopher Lambert um, just afterwards he, he 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 decays them all into mummies mm. and those mummies look shit hot they look <laughs> fucking really good um, and also there's another scene at a bridge at one point where there's a m- massive explosion and because there's quite a lot of CGI in the film sometimes looking pretty fucking convincing and sometimes not this particular explosion on the bridge, I think is a real explosion. It's a proper like mushroom cloud and it looks, r- it looks real.
0: Yeah. I would, I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if it was because like, I like, I know, uh, I know that Neville didn't and Taylor very much like to do as much stuff as they can. Like, yeah. Think, yeah. Again, from watching the um, documentary, though, it's like, it's, there were stunts for this film that just kind of didn't work and they they kind of had to scrap scrap scenes. So, like, it felt like very much the kind of chips was stacked up against them specifically for this film in that it couldn't be this, like, hard R film. It couldn't be... um, The budget was still relatively low, despite it being, like, a Marvel property, and I don't know... I don't want this to sound like kind of fan worship to Neville Dean and Taylor. Yeah, yeah. But like, from seeing like what they can do on a, on a small budget, obviously I guess like yeah. this is a bit of a harder task because no matter what you do with Ghost Rider, there has to be an element of cgi involved so oh so, shit yeah there ha- that <laughs> has to that that already
1: like, unless you do a ray harry housing uh <laughs> like, you know, clay clay skull but yeah
0: exactly so that already is probably taking up like a chunk of your budget like yeah yeah i just feel like they kind of didn't get to do all the things that like not just, like, ticking off their hit list of, like, greatest hits in any way, but they don't get... One thing I'd say...
1: Well, sorry, sorry to interrupt again, but I was, I was going to say one thing as well. You kind of mentioned it a bit earlier, but talking about, like, how this time Cage actually got to play Ghost Rider as opposed to last time where he's just Ghost Rider without, you know, without the skull kind of thing, um, you could see when he's, like, there's a bit where he's just about to fight some of the gangsters at the beginning of the film, and he's like, he's doing this kind of crazy head tilt thing where he's getting ready to sort of do something mental. And uh, and you can really tell that it's Cage underneath the skull. And when he finally does the, well, for the first time, does the penance stare where he stares into their eyes, you can see from the actor's expression, they're really looking up at Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and there is something fucking brilliant about that. But what I, what I wish when I saw that is I thought, oh God, I wish as a bonus feature, like a kind of director's cut or whatever, they'd done a version of it where you can just, you see Cage all the time.
0: Oh, that would have been great. Especially considering like from listening to that clip that he would have been in kind of like voodoo, like face paint and like wearing black contacts. That would have been, I mean, it it couldn't have
1: been, it wouldn't be that hard to to edit that surely. Like just, it's the same thing, but without, I mean, it
0: would have been brilliant. Well, it's the (laughs) thing as well. Like I think that him playing Ghost Rider as well as Johnny Blaze informed Johnny Blaze, especially, in that like yeah. Cage plays it for me like he's kind of like a like a cocaine addict, and like yeah, they're, they're like he's kind of like got this jittery energy to him where he's like trying to like, like they sort of
1: allude to that. They allude to that a couple of times as well. There's a few moments that are a bit like um in a way they're a bit like uh like there's a, there's a scene in the hospital where he wakes up and he's like Valium, get me Valium. And the and the and the the woman's like, oh, I can't. Oh, I don't know. You've already had enough, or whatever. <laughs> and he's taking the pill boxes off the shelf. It's it's a bit like um, it's a bit like uh, fucking the last one we did together, man. It's a bit like Port of Call New Orleans, Bad Lieutenant. And and it, it, but it's also this kind of crazy drug fueled thing, which has a bit of a crank vibe as well. Like take as many drugs as I can, like snort the coke off the floor, kind of vibe.
0: Well, yeah, it's that thing. He, he, he's playing. Johnny plays how, like, Robert Downey Jr. plays every role he ever does. Like, a man <laughs> who really wants to take cocaine, but can't. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's
1: brilliant. Like, this kind of, like... I mean, can, we, can, I, can, I, can I also just say, out of note, I mean, when you were talking about earlier the animation sequence where it talks about the devil being these different characters, and it shows you how... He could, he takes on different incarnations. Yeah. Why did they pick Jerry Springer?
0: I think for a, a gag, but like it seems to be mean. And even it, I, was, I was like fucking even, hell. Even in context of this film, like <laughs> time-wise, a very outdated gag at that. If it is a gag, <laughs> Yeah.
1: Um, I'd love to know that. I'd love to ask the, the 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 directors what what is what was going on there specifically.
0: Yeah, it's very bizarre.
1: But I mean, there are some great bit. There are great bits as well. Like when he's 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 really he's doing it's, it's better than the first penance. There, it's when he's talking to some guy and his face is changing as he's talking to him. And he's like, you're scraping at the door! He's (laughs) doing this crazy moment. It's really quite good. I think, actually, I've tried to watch this film a couple of times and only made it a few scenes in, but today was the first time I've actually watched it all the way through. And I don't know if I'm older or if I was just excited about talking to you, but somehow I really enjoyed those changing the face all the time scenes way more than I did in the past. I thought they were shit when I first saw them, but now I love them. So I don't know, what, don't know what, it, what that
0: is exactly. Well, this film, like, I don't know. It, it kind of, like, builds on things from the first one and, like, stuff mm. that is touched on in the first. Like, we get the whole mythos of any vehicle that he rides will become the ghost rider.
1: That's I cool. Think. That's fucking, that's a cool idea. I would love to see, when the kid is like,
0: oh, so what if you rode a camel?
1: Yeah, and he's like, and he's like "Oh, I mean, that would be fucking brilliant." I'd love to see a flaming camel.
0: But this, like, we see him like take on cranes. We see him take on yeah. trucks, and it's like really utilizing that kind of like. I want. I wish I could see more of that. Like that kind of like, yeah, just, I like know. crazy stuff. And we get that's the thing. Throughout this film, we get glimpses of greatness, whether it be like. like it kind of cheapens it that they use it twice but that image of like when the ghost rider has to take a piss and like it's just like this like fire yeah 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 i I don't
1: mind seeing it twice weirdly but what i do mind is that it's not used in an actual scene it's kind of it's sort of used in in a kind of like remember like you were saying about family guy it's used in a kind of Remember that day when you pissed fire, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. It's like an ass- which is which is bizarre because <laughs> like, couldn't we have at least seen him like destroy the construction site and then piss on the villain or something with fire? That would have been great. Well,
0: I I feel like that is something that like would have been held back for the right R cut or like they were going, what can we sneak? Almost like you hear in a lot of productions, whether it be TV or film. What can we sneak by the sensors? And like, how can we get? This yeah, in? actually,
1: I just, I've, I've no idea why I'm mentioning this in a Ghost Ghostwriter podcast, but I, uh, I I briefly saw a clip from um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid the other day with some with with some pretty graphic pissing going on, <laughs> which lets me know that you can piss in a in a in a film in a film that's like a 12A, no problem. But I guess pissing on a villain might be too far.
0: Yeah, I guess, I
1: guess. pissing pissing fire on a villain, especially I suppose, is that. That's the extra thing you can't do. Um, Also, one thing, sorry, one sec, one sec. The mask. I was reminded of the mask in that particular scene with the crazy crane um, because he spits the bullets out
0: at him. Yes, yes. And that
1: that whole moment had a very mask vibe to it. And also in the same way as the mask, he does these crazy violent things, but you don't see the bloody reaction of what happens. So he'll have a Tommy gun like a Tommy gun and he kills them all. But you don't see him actually kill them. You don't see them bleeding out. And it was just the same in this film.
0: So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, Bob, <laughs> is is it like near on impossible to make the character of Ghost Rider look good on film? Like, is there a way that Ghost Rider can kind of, the character of Ghost Rider himself, because especially in this film, he takes up a lot of the screen time. Is that like, can that character be, like, a relatable character? Like, I, I feel like that's one of the things that's kind of hard about this franchise.
1: I mean, obviously, I think what makes him, um, what makes us connect to him in the first one, if anything, other than our sort of mutual desire, like, we wish we could be daredevils, is essentially that we uh, we think it's a beautiful idea that he sold his soul to try to save his dad's life. Like, that to us is like, oh, well, that's a pretty big big deal, you know? Um, and so that's our real connection to him. But aside from that, we don't have any actual relationship to him other than that. Well, I mean, obviously, he's having a tough time because he's inhabited, well, because his soul has been sold. It's never quite explicit about, like, is he constantly in pain? I know that he's in pain when his head, his skull is burning. I think they indicate that. Um, I actually, I, 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 I in preparation for this podcast, Petros, I read the, um, the comic that, that David S. Goya wrote this script based on, oh. which is a Garth Ennis. The Ennis? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? Uh, the guy, I think he also did Preacher, right? Yeah. And actually, the comic, uh, you can see little glimmers of it. I don't see much in how they ended up ad- adapting it, but it begins with Ghost Rider in Hell. It's about these angels trying to uh, offer, make a deal with Ghost Rider, to say we'll get you out of hell. Which is this deal is obviously in the film as well. um, If you kill this angel that's on Earth, kind of thing. Um, And um, and it's very much like a road trip movie, kind of, kind of like a kind of story, like like how um, in you know Preacher, it's a kind of road trip as well. Um, with all these kind of grotesque characters and rather than ass face they have like I don't know like ass nose or something it's like they've got the equivalent of that where like a, the demon like he puts someone's head inside their ass, and then that's the their henchman and it's kind of like this kind of thing and I could imagine as I was reading it I was like I can imagine the 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 tailor the the, the, the yeah. these directors doing it adapting that and I was kind of getting excited about it but then when watching it it doesn't have much of that at all but even in that comic there is still no personality to Ghost Rider he is still just a fiery skull guy driving around kind of just maybe working for his own like trying to get out of hell kind of maybe that would help but there is still no it's very hard for us it's almost impossible to relate to him
0: it's hard isn't it it's hard like first I thing going into this film I kind of all the components lined up. I was like, "I really want to enjoy this film, and like that's the thing like i'm not sure whether it is the fact that it's kind of like the vision was mired at all by mm. like yeah. studios or like be, like be, be people people upstairs as it were, or yeah. I, i'm not sure what it is, but like or it is this kind of thing that Ghost Rider as a character is hard to relate to. Like, like I think Johnny Blaze, the character Johnny Blaze, is done really well, especially like the kind of struggle he has. And yeah, like this film leads to a point where he has to. He says, like, he brings Danny to the um, monks headed by Christopher Lambert, and. um, Moreau's like deal with him was if you do this, we will rid you of this curse. pretty sexy proposition.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah. like 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 many things you realise that you kind of need that I don't know dark side of you to maybe Progress in that like he realizes very quickly. Like the thing is, though, the end of this film it kind of like all kind of goes very quickly. Oh yeah. So quick. Like you could almost like be like, come on, like you could hear someone go like come on, come on, wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it <laughs> up And it's like whoa, whoa 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 like you got it's like when you're kind of getting to a point yeah, we go, we get to this point in a Colosseum where it's actually filmed in like an actual real
1: ancient it, Greek. And it genuinely looked really good as well. When you see all the monks from afar, when you look at them all, I was like, this is beautiful. You know, I also felt that they were trying to, sometimes they were, I don't know, I mean, I'm sure they had alternating camera crews as well, but some of their like more close up, zoomed in stuff was, was much less beautiful. But when they actually pan back and you see like whole scenes, like even like Lambert's circle before they become yeah. the gargoyles or the mummies or whatever, they, which, they still look really cool. But when you pan back and you see all of them in a circle, it looks fucking brilliant. I mean, when what, what, what I say it means brilliant, I don't mean for a Marvel film or for a film like this. I mean, it legit looks really good.
0: Yeah. And that's you know? the food. So like, a lot of this film, like, Kate, like, like, there's so many things playing in this film's favour. Which, like, for me, like, really, I don't, I don't, like, I can't really, I don't know if I'm too close to it at the moment because only, like, I only watched it yesterday. Yeah, like, yeah. That thing of, like, I only watched it today. Yeah. What, what is it that, like, kind of just didn't work for me? Like, and it's a real shame. Like, yeah, what, one shame.
1: thing, one thing I'll say about the ending that I did like is that. Um, it's confusing but when he has that fight with the devil you know the devil really shouldn't be scared at all I mean the the devil's dialogue is kind of like he's not scared but he looks proper scared (laughs) probably because Cage is right in his fucking schnoz like you know he's going fucking mental but um, but but it's quite it's quite a good scene when he uh, launches him into the air with a chain it's very satisfying it's the kind of satisfaction you don't get from when he kills most goons throughout the movie Yeah, yeah as well. So it's actually kind of a good moment of like, yeah! Like, Ghost Rider actually fucking did that. It's kind of... and There's a few kind of, like, video game moments in it that have that kind of quality, but that's definitely the best. I felt quite, like, happy when the devil was flung into the sky, which is more than I could say for a lot of things like that in other superhero films, you know?
0: Well, we get that moment as well, because Danny's soul is, like, there's this rich... Like, the whole film kind of culminates in it, it, it is a very formulaic plot we've seen in a lot of things, as Bob said earlier. It's a Terminator 2-esque plot in that the bad guys want this kid, the good guys want to make sure this kid is fine. Um, Christopher Lambert and his monks are like, well, he's the devil's child, so we're the only way for, for everything to be all right is to off him. Kill
1: him. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and then he, he falls into the hands of like Satan and his like kind of henchmen and like I don't know, you kind of get a barbed comment at like kind of capitalism and like business like do you know what I mean? Big business. What? Well there's a moment when like uh uh Moreau, Nadja, and Johnny Blaze are kind of scoping out like this. Ceremony that's gonna take place, and it has to take place on an, like on the dawn of a new day, and uh, yeah. they're looking upon, oh, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, who are all those people?" And they're like, "Are oh, they? They're like, they're, people, they're, they're businessmen, and like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah they're they minions of the devil." Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so Actually,
1: that's strange. like that makes it like kill list. It's got the same crazy vibe. Yeah,
0: so it's got that wow. That's, that's like, interesting. Yeah, you know I mean, it's got that Illuminati vibe, like all the people upstairs are like... Just, the, the
1: director's just like slipping that in there, like, have a bit of that.
0: <laughs> so like... but like, One other
1: thing I was going to say, I, lo- I love, I love uh, Idris Elba's accent is terrible in the film. He, he, just, he keeps shifting. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But something about him, whenever he's around, he restores my faith in what I'm watching. I don't know if that's because he's got—he's like—he's so robust. Like even when he he puts his hand on Cage's shoulder, I sometimes felt like I could feel his hand on my shoulder. He's got that kind of tactile performance. I—I I, I can't even describe that. He's—he's he's unique in that way. What? But going on,
0: Boris but this has got to be like kind of before he became a massive household name as well, right? Like this is—he must have been doing Luther. He was- he must have been doing Luther at the time, right? But I mean, on like the world scale, like... Yeah,
1: yeah, sure. It was before... I mean, he hadn't, he hadn't yet become an actual part of the true MCU franchise as well, right?
0: And one of the weird things about his character in both this and four is that, like, he wears these, like, kind of bright-eyed contacts. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's bizarre. But also, he says, like there's a bit like... Um, oh, fuck, I've lost my other notes. But like Cage says something like, um, what does he say? He says, like, um, uh, oh, God, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. He's like, black French alcoholic priest, kind of a dick. You know him? (laughs) (laughs) You know that line? He says it in the van or whatever. And I was like, and I was laughing at that line because it's a great line. And I can imagine it. I can imagine writing it in the script and being like, that's a fucking hell of a line. Weirdly, we don't see him as much of an alcoholic. He doesn't really drink that much. At the beginning, he throws a bottle through a window. That's about it. And then later on, when he has the wine, he takes, like, two glugs of it and then chucks it at an enemy, basically. But what I was thinking is, you could actually make a kind of interesting drinking game out of out of Ghost Rider. Um, purely, like, you drink when Idris drinks, you know. <laughs> uh, but, but, but it would be a really, like... Hard drinking game to really enjoy, but you'd have to like drink a lot when he does. I don't know. So, um, but also, when 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 Cage first punches the devil, I was immediately reminded of the worker Man because it's a running punch, so yes. he's literally like he's like going toward him, like bam, like just like the bear, just in the yeah, bear suit, you know. And I was like, Is that is that the I mean maybe now you're into the analytics of the Cage films, you could tell me, are these the only two running punches in Cage films? Are there more running punches?
0: I haven't delved that deep into it, but like, I'm going to go with a guess. I'm going to go with, these are the only two running punches, but I'm sure, no, possibly not. I feel like Con Air might have one. I feel like that. Oh, really? That, what? <coughs> I feel like the fight with virus, the Cyrus Cyrus the Virus. Uh, oh, yeah. speaking about viruses oh, it's a very oh, touchy no. time at the moment. Uh, <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> Got Corona. Um, he, um, yeah, I feel like on that final showdown with Cyrus the Virus at the end of Connor, there may be some kind of running punch or... Oh, wow.
1: I'm not sure. but I hope there is, man. <laughs> I hope someone's done a fucking montage of running punches,
0: because Damn. just like uh, Tom Cruise running in films
1: oh <laughs> yeah. God I've only got one last note to actually no, no, no actually you go, say you so ahead, I just want you. to get it out um there's that weird scene I, just, I, I, I I'm just going to admit this now I, I wasn't always aware of what was going on in the film when I was watching it like I actually had to go back a couple of times to hear the characters speak about stuff again just to know it and I don't know if that's because I'm drunk. I don't know if it's because I'm ADHD kinda, or whether or not the film wasn't doing a good enough job of like telling you what was going on, but I had to go back sometimes. But there's this crazy scene where like Cage is on his back and he's like flailing around and transforming. It's sort of bizarre. And he's like, Merry Christmas, you assholes. Or something <laughs> like that. And, and I was like, that is fucking fantastic.
0: Well, there's 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 some really weird, bizarre lines in this film. There is like and it's subtitled as well, this line, so it like makes it even more bizarre cause you have to read it. There is a moment with a, uh, like, a very small bit part villain called Vasile, who, like, is kind of like... oh I like, Yeah, some it. kind of, like, club owner drug dealer who has information where, Car- like, Carrigan may be. And, like, his introduction, he's kind of going, like, where's my money, like... Like where, like people keep stealing my money, like, and this line I've like got quoted here is everybody's robbing from me. It makes my balls hurt. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> this is just a weird line. I thought that at the time I remember listening to it, thinking, "What the fuck is he talking?" I that the... I think they're saying. I think what they mean is it's a ball ache. I, I think, and it's been like I... weirdly. It's, like it's such a ball at like, being stolen from all the time. I think that's what they mean, but it's kind of weirdly
0: translated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it feels like the Google Translate of like, <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? Like they haven't they haven't gone through the effort of going like, ah, uh, like are uh, we people people in that region don't have WhatsApp, so we'll change the subtitle to something that's region specific, or do you know what I mean? Or like, something that's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we won't change it region specific. we will just direct translate. <laughs> yeah. it makes my balls hurt <laughs> oh,
1: i love that i mean i kind of wish in a way i sort of wish i'd watched the first film before i wish i'd sort of got this shit ready a bit earlier and watched the first film then the second film right next to each other so i could compare i mean i think like i said i think the devil's a better devil this time around I actually, you, you, you were saying that the, the look or the kind of general vibe of the new villain, the uh, the blackout, is worse or is, is a bit shit. But he's still better than the other one, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, Who was the other?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of updates. There's a lot of things that they're doing better. They're kind of progressing on, but somehow it doesn't have as much um, kind of flow as the original has. Maybe there was just more money in that. I, I, I don't know what it was exactly, but there's a bit more sort of flow in that first one.
0: Well, I I, I often worry that, like, because Leveldean and Taylor made their names on being, like, they can provide you this kinetic, like, thrill ride, like, whip-smart cinema on a shoestring budget, like, whether that be the Crank films, um, Gamer, up until this point. I love Gamer as well. I love that. So, like, I'm not sure whether it's like that, and they went, you know what, we'll give this film... A very like modest budget, that will make something good out of it. Do you know what I mean? Like Yeah. Sure. I think this is before like David S. Goya kind of like really came into yeah. his own of being like a household name, whether that be like in writing. Because I know he eventually yeah. did work with uh, Christopher Noland, I think with Yeah, yeah, totally. is that true then? Because that's that's bizarre. Because
1: I remember hearing about um funny in the last um in the podcast you were doing the uh I can't remember if it was with the Empire guy or the other one but you were you were talking about um uh, Superman lives briefly. Um and I think David S. Goya was responsible for one of those scripts for a kind of big Superman reboot. Well not that one but one of them. So I was kind of surprised by this because you know it's not it's not as I say I, it's not that the script is awful in any by any means. But it's just, it doesn't have that kind of triumphant feel of, you know, some great superhero script, you know.
0: Well, I always get a bit, like, iffy on scripts, like, this is not to say, like, that scripts are, like, bad because of this. But, like, the screenplay for this is written by Scott M. Gimble, Seth Hoffman and David S like from a story by David oh, Squire. Too many cooks. Yeah, I, I, I always get that, like, kind of image. And and then especially because up until this point, Neville Dean and Taylor had been writer-directors, kind of going mm-hmm. off their own. And they very much, like, had a hard time with, like, Jonah Hex. Like writing the script for that. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, and being being like slated to direct it, and then I believe they walked away from the project because they didn't like the way it was. Oh, going. I thought
1: they were fired from the project. That's 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 fascinating. I mean, I know, I know, I think I've even, I think the script is available from Jonah Hex, what they originally wrote, and it's so much better. I mean, there's definitely the beginning of their script begins with like. Um, a crow pecking out the brains from a dead from like a dead man's skull like and and like, i mean when when josh brolin signed up for that movie he was like no swear words no gore no nothing i'm becoming a dad you know so you can see how these these productions get kind of neutered from day one
0: but where's this i feel like it would have really benefited from that Grim, grotesque energy.
1: Also, also, yeah. Ghost Rider is. It, I'm gonna, I mean, once again, I don't mean to be mean to it, in and in a weird way, I actually have a quite kind of a soft spot for Ghost Rider. But it's one of those franchises where, I mean, I doubt that Marvel would really care if they lost it. You know what I mean? They wouldn't care if it just went away. You know, and that the beauty of it is, then you can do whatever the fuck you want with it.
0: You can do whatever the fuck you want. Well, when asked in an interview, like. Page answered, like, when somebody asked him, what would you like to see be done if there were a sequel for this? And he was like, well, the only sequel I would like to see is Ghost Rider Goes to Hell in kind of like a oh, wow. Dante's Inferno style, like... Oh, wow. ...plot. And, like, you think, Wow. Like in the-
1: that's actually a lot more. That's a lot more. That's actually more similar to what the the fucking script was based on as well. That the Garth Ennis one, because it's it's him in hell, constantly repeating on a loop, his suffering. He's constantly burning, and he has to go through this like lake of fire and shit. And he's constantly driving his motorbike and just feeling pain. Is it's that kind of that that actually talking about suffering? That's what the, both of these films, are, uh, the first one and Spirit of Vengeance, don't have. They don't really show uh Johnny Blaze suffering. Well They don't make us feel that pain.
0: Well weirdly this As heavy as that is. Yeah, yeah. No 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 <laughs> no. But like that's something they should have gone for. And like weirdly this is like the second film under the, the Marvel Knights banner. I'm not sure if you noticed in the like titles. Is that the
1: Punisher one? Is that the fucking one that was on that Punisher label?
0: Yeah, but Punisher Warzone, which was an eighteen. Yeah. So, like, if... Uh, And I said,
1: why can they do it with Punisher but they can't do it with this? That's what I mean, like,
0: I feel like this, like, the first Ghost Rider very much hampered this film in that (laughs) the core fan base had been established by the first film. That by the time they came to this one, it's like, it would seem very, like, polarising to all of a sudden it be a hard R or... I mean, or or not even a hard R just being like a a fifteen certificate in the UK. It would have it would like it would have been like a bit disorientating for audiences. But at the same time, like this film kind of disregards the first film anyway. So Mm, why couldn't they have done that? Yeah, why not? Because like I'm not saying that like swearing of violence and like nudity makes for a good film. But oh, no. But I feel like in this case violent nudity and swearing <laughs> would have made for a good film.
1: Yeah, definitely would have made it a lot better. And also I love to imagine literally like the guys who directed Crank. They have no no rules, no laws, maybe twice the budget. Um like same location, same same script, they do whatever the fuck they want. I mean, I can only imagine how cool that would have been.
0: It would have been, it would have been fucking gnarly. Like it would have, like I reckon we (laughs) would have seen like Cage, like turned up to like eleven, just like going for it. Do you know what I mean? He would have brought that same energy from that Terry Wogan clip where he kind of comes out doing a stomach (laughs) flinging money out. We would have like he would have been like whipping his chain out, like fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. It's like like. If any character in the MCU deserves that kind of, like, treatment of being, like, a really gritty, hard, top, like, rated film, <laughs> it's Ghost Rider. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, he's very much evil in his essence. He's like, <laughs> he's a fucking devil. Which, like, uh... brings me to, like, the genesis of this film, which is fantastic, from, like, watching... um nicholas cage interviews he talks about like he had an idea for like where this film could have like come from and he said like whilst promoting the first film he uh he he very much at that time liked wearing a lot of leather uh, like that kind of of course yeah, yeah, yeah this this isn't a far leap from the man himself anyway um he got invited to something at like, uh, I think it was like Canterbury Cathedral or, like, well, he met, like, the, the Archbishop oh. of Canterbury and the head of the, like, Greek Orthodox Church. A lot of, like, kind of religious leaders in their, like, fields. And, uh, <laughs> what the hell is going on with this meeting? <laughs> I, I have no idea, but, like, they're all dressed up in their, like, garb and he just dressed up in his garb and, I. Uh, like, I'm not sure who it was, but somebody turned turned to him and said, "Like, oh, I could be naughty sometimes." <laughs> <laughs> no way! And it sparked in Cage this idea that, like, how good would it be if Johnny Blaze was in cahoots with? Like religious figures with the Catholic yeah, yeah, yeah. Church with or the what? Church, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like that—that's where that kind of <laughs> came from. And it's just bizarre to like think that
1: like it's weird. The movie, you know, for all the things I love about it, it doesn't—it doesn't feel like that at all. I, I weirdly, I don't feel like anyone works for anyone. It does—it just doesn't have—it doesn't have that feeling. You're not like, oh, we have to do this because of this. I, I mean, I was—I was super confused when they initially talked about the child and i must say as well um i i i hate child actors for the most part i know it seems a mean thing to say you know because i i I appreciate it's fucking hard work you know i'm a terrible actor myself so (laughs) but being a child is even fucking harder you know and the, the kids do such a bad job he's not the worst child actor but that kid is one of the blandest kids i've seen in like that kind of role
0: he's kind of like dead behind the eyes he's like not really giving much like the only moment he really gives anything is when he screams into Johnny Blaze's mouth to like kind of inject him with the <laughs> life of the ghost rider once again at the end
1: like, which is a cool scene actually yeah. i like i love i love it when he's rocking around the colosseum with his burning head around the monks that's that's actually really good but yeah you're right that is the only intensity that he gives really
0: but it gets to a point like like even that like even that moment, like, it's just signposted really, really, like, like, I don't, yeah, it's signposted really badly. And that he's asking all these questions to the devil. And he's like, you see the looks between, like, Johnny Blaze and Danny. And it's like, oh, he keeps asking the devil, like, oh, so I have the same powers if you, do I? So I? I can do everything <laughs> yeah, that you can, yeah. not and it's just like, yeah, we, we get it. We know what you're going to do. Like, this wouldn't be a Ghost Rider film if he doesn't, like, if the Ghost Rider doesn't come out. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it, the only way I can describe it is like a band, like, kind of, you know they're going to play their biggest hit. Like, even when <laughs> yeah, even yeah. when the Ghost Rider, it, yeah, gets, gets his powers taken away from him and he's just Johnny Blaze. It's like, even at that moment, I was like, he's going to be turned back into the ghost rider. Because, like, <laughs> yeah. One, yeah. one, like he's got to, he's got to do it for the final fight sequence. And two, I'm just too much of a cynical bastard. And I know that like, studio, there's, there,
1: like- there's also a bit of a, there's also sorry to sorry, 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 interrupt you again, man. There's a bit of a bummer when like, originally he gets shot with a shotgun. Do you remember It's all more towards the beginning? He gets shot with a shotgun, and he just gets up. And I've, I, don't, I can't remember how it was in the first film, but basically, is that implying that no amount of firepower can take down Ghost Rider? Because I didn't know. I was like, I, I never felt worried for Ghost Rider during any fight scene, because I thought, well, he will be okay because he's Ghost Rider, so he'll be fine. You need to, even Superman has his kryptonite, but what the hell is, what is Ghost Rider's like?
0: What is his flaw? Well, no, because it's it's very bizarre, because right at the beginning, like, one of the first confrontations he has, he is harmed, and he ends up in hospital, but then from that point
1: point on... That is after that shotgun, that is after the shotgun. Yeah, it's like some kind of (laughs) grenade launcher shotgun
0: thing, he's harmed, but then after that, it's kind of like, the gloves are off, and he can't be harmed, like... I don't know. It's a very, it's a very weird like prospect. I've always thought that, that was that's
1: one of the major issues with any superhero entity is is getting the audience to care about whether or not they're harmed. And I think this is this is an example of yeah. a film where, as you say, like it's hard for us to completely, you know, connect with Ghost Rider, and it's also hard for us to to worry about him because we don't know if he's invincible or not.
0: Yeah, and it's like, again, I feel like where the first film might have hampered this is like the, the kind of the rules weren't established fully. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not yeah, sure if yeah. we need like kind of basal exposition to be there and be like, so as a ghost rider, this, 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 and this. Like, if this happens, you will be harmed. Da-da-da. I don't know. If it's the stroke of 12, you will turn back into a pumpkin. Like, what? what <laughs> yeah. it may be. Like, like, we just need to... Did, did, are, you,
1: are you aware, Petros, that there is another Ghost Rider within the MCU as well?
0: Yes, in the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, TV series.
1: Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I've seen that, yeah.
0: But it isn't the Johnny Blaze character, is it? It's like a... He's Robert, like another dude. Roberto Riez I think, is the character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So very yeah. much playing within that. I think they're playing within that sandbox, like, again, to keep their balls in the air just in case they want to carry on the Johnny Blaze story. and any. But from everything I've read, it seems like nobody is interested very soon after this. <laughs> I
1: don't know why they're flogging that horse. Very soon His after mouth. this film came
0: out, Cage was like, no. Like, he's, like, he said, like, there's no chance they're going to do Johnny Blaze in Hell. Like, so probably not going to happen. But, like, before we wrap this thing up, Bob, I always like to um, ask my guests a little, like, three questions, three simple questions. And they normally, like, give us an indication of, whether a cage film is good or not i'm i'm yet to find out what answers swing in which way i guess that's why i'm trying i'm asking these questions to kind of find that data out <laughs> to, to figure that out oh, but, no. um first question is does nick cage have bad hair in this film
1: i mean i don't know if i've just watched so many films that i am not noticing it anymore but i didn't think so
0: no yeah that's a, that's a no for that one then um the second question is does Cage do a crazy voice in this film does he have a, a mental voice obviously in films in the past yeah. he do you know what I mean? we, vampire's kiss we, we 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 know we know the hits I'm talking about like
1: um he doesn't he doesn't do it throughout, but there are about three or four occasions where he suddenly puts it on including the one that I mentioned earlier, the whole, like, fucking, what's he called it called? Merry Christmas, USOs. That whole, that whole line is, like, he does it in a crazy voice, and he does the whole, what's the other bit about the scraping, scraping the door? Yeah,
0: well, he does one where he's, like, I think he kind of, like, delivers a line, like, "Can you get there? Like, he can do, he he he, he he, he pulls that out of the bag, like, it's
1: very, nice. Yeah. I did, what I like is that that kind of means that he has a penance voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of interesting. But also one thing, I, I was just going to mention, sorry, I know you no, ask no, me another no, question, no, but also the, pen, the penance stare in the last film was done better. That's the one thing that, the, that that first film really has over this one, is that when someone, when he stared into their eyes, you saw a kind of like tornado of like faces and shit. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, and it kind of like flashed up like... Um... Scenes of them doing bad as well,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, that was fucking sweet. And they didn't do this in this one. Yeah. So I was kind of disappointed. But the, the only, only weird thing you see is like when he's doing a penance there in someone's eye, their eye goes a bit wonky. <laughs> That's the only thing you see.
0: And that brings me to my like third and final question on this little questionnaire that I've got going is do yeah. we get a cage freak out?
1: I think it's the fucking Christmas asshole. That yeah. that is the freak out. That is it. Yeah. Or perhaps on the yeah. bike, perhaps the fucking like, crazy, like that maybe, I don't know, but he doesn't. Yeah. I would say the Christmas asshole it is the freak out. So yes.
0: Yeah. We get a K tree out. And like the last thing, like I want to ask you is, would you recommend people watching this film?
1: <laughs> uh, uh that that is a fucking tough question i i think it really depends i it depends who i'm talking to i get. i guess i think you know this, this is what i'm saying if there was a, a sort of bizarre drinking game attached to it i can imagine why i might suggest that like drink every time edger selva is on the screen or something it's, it's kind of funny but uh no i'd say no
0: like, don't worry, Bob, like, I'm not selling you down the river I answer this question as well. I would I would say no as well, just in the fact that, like... I don't know, I, I, I would say the only reason to watch it is just, like, if you're interested in that idea of films that, like, have so much potential. Like, this film has, like... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like watching... Podorowski's Dune, the documentary, because it's like Yeah, you can see the scraps of a film that it could have been and like the the potential from like immense talent that is within it, whether that be Neville Taylor or Cage, like
1: I also I personally as as I I think we've talked about this. I love Gamer, you love gamer as well. I love both the crank films. Um I like that kind of stuff. I've met lots of people who really don't dig that kind of shit. And so it's the same thing that I, I probably will at some point watch this movie again, but I wouldn't recommend it because I know it's my kind of trash. It's kind of hot trash. I like it.
0: Well, my, my, my thing is with like the whole, um, yeah, the directors of this film always like, I would say they reinvented the action film. Like those crank films kind of like really gave license to a lot of directors to be like, do you know what? Films can be what they are on the tin. It doesn't have to be smart. It doesn't have to be clever. It can just be fun, dumb action and be self-aware, knowing, and be fucking awesome. Like, I, I personally... You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I personally don't yeah. think we would have got a lot of these later, like... um They also, they
1: also, these guys, and it's a rare thing to find in anything. Basically, if artists start making films, they're long, boring slogs that sometimes have interesting bits in them. And if you get like Fast and Furious dudes making a film, there's no art to it whatsoever. There's no beauty, no poetry. It's just constant cuts to like fucking, you know, car chases. What's beautiful about these guys is that Crank is like, it's kind of both. You get, you get this magic of the, the car chase, the action, the fucking guns, the all this kind of stuff, the, the, the really punchy dialogue. And you also get this kind of arty poetry. Like, I remember in Crank where, where um, he's running around the, the, the hallway and they're, they're projecting things onto the wall, like turtles having sex and stuff. It's so arty, yeah, yeah. but it's also fucking entertaining and like punchy. I love it.
0: Well, it's that thing, like, especially with those guys, like, it's just that, like, that weird, bizarre thing. And, like, you mentioned the Fast and the Furious films, but I feel like even with those films, like, we wouldn't have got, like, maybe, like, the fifth installment of that without this. Like, well, no, not without this, without, like, kind of their, like, Neville Dean and Taylor's, like imprint on cinema like with those crack
1: fair figures. enough they're 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 informed by the, the the changes they made
0: yeah yeah like like pe- pe- people realize like you can and like one of the things i would love to see like and i'm putting it out there whether like i'm not sure because this is the last neville taylor outing that we saw cinematically like that's mental after that we saw them go separate ways so like i'm not like I don't want to speculate at all, but like, we don't know what happened like that. And like, it's not for us to say, but I would love to see those guys take on a John Wick film.
1: Oh, yeah. Fuck, I can imagine that'd be so cool.
0: That very like on the
1: fly kind of crazy DV look style. Like we're right here. Yeah, I can imagine that being brilliant.
0: Yeah. And here's a question uh, I've I've just come up with on the fly. It's like it's kind of come up recently a lot is in uh, conversations with people. Is um, who would you like to see Nicholas Cage collaborate with, like in the future? Like what di- what, what 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 director partnership do you, like do you think
1: like for? I can immediately I know I know who is I know who it is immediately it immediately came to my brain. George Lanthimos.
0: Oh. Do you have do you have is That like, how you pronounce it? Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. As a Greek man, Yorgos Lamphomos is is a, is a perfect pronunciation. Um, I would love to see I have no idea
1: what the role would be, but I I'd love to see those guys work together.
0: Perfect. That's 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 what I hit. Like like yeah, like one of the conversations I had recently was about like how he hasn't had the opportunity to be brought on board by like a kind of a tw- A24 certified director and Yorgos Lanthimos is, is very much one of them and like like the one I keep going back to I think it's because I saw a uh, a clip of um, Nicolas Cage at the Independent Spirit Awards hugging Josh Safdie and I just keep oh, thinking shit. Like, yeah, for her, N- that would be so cool Nicolas Cage in a Safdie Brothers movie would be like that. He needs that kind of that, or he needs a he needs a vehicle like a John Wick that like can kind of be his retirement plan, as it were. Do you know what I mean? Like how? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I love this in interviews as well. I really love this
1: kind of contemporary Cage, where he looks kind of like Elvis. He's sort of taken on his ex-wife or (laughs) ex-ex-wife's father's ghost. And he's got, he kind of wears the, he's got his hair is fucking perfect and slightly white. And he's just, he just, with the aviator shades, I'd love to see kind of that character of Cage in something. I don't know what, but that would be perfect.
0: Well, we're likely to get something in that ilk because like it's slated for next year, but like with everything that's going on at the moment, we're we're likely to, yeah, yeah, God knows when it will come out 2022, 2023. But he's supposed to be, like, he's cast in a film called The Importance of, like, um, The Importance of, like, uh, Brilliance or something like that. I, I will. Oh, yeah, I know what it is. It's
1: a really complicated title. That's the kind of thing you should have above your head, eh?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's the type of thing <laughs> I should have in my notes, but, like, genuinely, like, <laughs> this conversation has just brought this up anyway. But, like, <laughs> it's Nick Cage playing himself, and I hope that they very much zone in on... A modern day cage, like they don't try and go for. Wow, so this sure. is what we think cage is. Like we want actually who you are as a person. Like I saw a brilliant tweet. Like to go back to my like Safty Brothers thing is I saw a tweet. Yeah, yeah. Saw, like which kind of like really put me on the um the trajectory to think like that that would be a perfect uh, casting like a, a partnership. Is that I saw um, a tweet that was like. At the Safdie Brothers, can you please direct a quarantine lockdown like drama with Nick Cage who plays a like sex addict, like on his <laughs> computer all the time, and like shit goes wrong, and like it's really intense. Like, and I was like, yeah, that is perfect. Or like my personal one, and um, you'll probably hear this on plenty of like podcasts of this when this question comes sure. up, but like, um. My one is it opens up Cage's there. He's coming like it's it's a revenge film. It's a Safti brothers like <laughs> film there. It's very like intense, right. right? Minute thirty, he kind of catches up with one of the goons of this gang and he's like, What the fuck have you done to my brother Howie? And then it's then we realise this is actually a Uncut Gems sequel.
1: <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> just as fast paced, just as mental we're like harrowing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was
1: Cage. Oh God. Cage
0: playing like some kind of like New Jersey, like, do you know what I mean? Like tracksuit wearing scumbag who like how he's been <laughs> sh- like shunned him to the the sides or he's just got out of prison he's gone to find out where his brother is. Even better this has come to me just now Paige comes out of prison goes to see his brother like find out where he is it like intersects with the end of Uncut Gems spoiler warning for Uncut Gems he walks into the jewellery shop sees his brother dead on the floor (laughs) bang, revenge thriller
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, fuck. I mean, there's no no one but Cage could really do that justice. That's a fantastic idea. Although, you know, if I could see any sequel with Cage in it, I would love to see the Wicker Man sequel where he plays a ghost haunting Japan.
0: That amazing. That clip I played, it feels like probably forever ago now, uh, he's <laughs> actually asked in, in that interview, like, what, what film would you like to revisit? He says, I would love to see Wicker Man in Japan. (laughs) I'd love to see it
1: too. That would be so fucking brilliant,
0: man. Unfortunately, we're probably never going to see it, are we?
1: (laughs) Probably not. Only in our minds. The theatre of quarantine.
0: Perfect. Well, Bob, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. As always, man, it's been absolutely fantastic. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure, I'm sure you'll crop up another time before this journey.
1: <laughs> Hope so, man. I'm cheap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there we have it. That was me and Bob talking about Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. If you agree with the points that me and Bob made, or even if you disagree, please get in touch at Caged in Pod on facebook instagram and twitter or always drop an email at cagedinpod at gmail.com before you go you may find there's a little treat in your pod catcher right now yes you can listen right now to an interview i did with one of the directors of this film and Director of *Mum and Dad*, the 2017 horror comedy starring Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair, and the interviews with Brian Taylor. It's a fantastic interview. I've been sitting on this for ages, and really, really, really didn't know when to drop it. And I thought now's best better, better time than ever, just because, yeah, *Ghost Rider* and I don't know, waiting to all the waiting all that time until I released the *Mum and Dad* episode. I feel like I don't know. This is a good one. And yeah. I hope, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed this one. And uh, yeah, don't worry about the Patreon. I don't want any of your money. As I mentioned in the intro, donate your money please to charities right now. Donate them to to helping people. We've got we've got a chance to help people, so fucking do it. Alright? Well, as always, guys. You have been amazing. I have been Patrick Spacifus. I have been Caged in. Bye-bye. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the PodCharles Centercast, in couple Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.